Good to see you tonight. Good to be at the meeting house. Uh, we um, we welcome our visitors tonight. Those that will be listening across the internet, we uh, very thankful to have this opportunity. We do want to mention before we start tonight, um, <clears throat> Brother Bruce Harp's wife had had a procedure and it got pretty serious there with her in the hospital. And uh, so we ask you to pray for her and lift her up. Um, the Barongs that sit over here had some friends, Cleaston Radford. Uh, he was coming for a while, and she had called this evening about an hour ago and told me that Cleaston is in the hospital, and they're doing, have to do emergency surgery on his stomach, cancer's in his stomach, about to eat through it. And uh, so you be much in prayer for Cleaston Radford in your prayers. And uh, he's had a lot of struggles here recently, and uh, he loves his fellowship. He loves worship. And uh, so you, you lift them up tonight. Uh, we always want to be much in prayer for those that's around us that's sick. The Bible said one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. And uh, we want to make sure that we recognize all those uh, audibly as we can. And we realize there's a lot of names that's not mentioned. But um, those of you that know them, uh, bring them to our prayer groups on Monday night with Brother Ty and make sure we get it on the prayer chain. I believe in the power of prayer. And uh, it'll change lives. Amen. Take your Bibles tonight, go to Romans chapter number 6. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, tonight we're going to get into the subject of being free from uh, sin's power, freedom from that. Uh, we've sort of been building up to this point. And uh, <clears throat> I believe this is me. The hardest chapter in the book of Romans is chapter 1. I mean, it's just a smack in your face when you look at how God's dealt with humanity. And uh, chapter 2 hit the moralist and the religious person. You know, they're trying to uh, look at everyone else's faults but their own. We continue on, and then you find out God's not a respecter of persons at all. And we get into Abraham, and his salvation was through faith. Salvation's always been by faith. Uh, matter of fact, before we read this, in the very end of chapter 4, quickly I'll read it, we'll move on. Um, it says, Therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it's not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead and was delivered for our offenses, raised again for our justification. Chapter 5, we've been spending some time uh, in chapter number 5, and basically as we've been going through, the results of it is in the finished work of what Christ has done. On the cross of Calvary, uh, this morning we dealt with Adam, the first Adam and the last Adam. Adam and, and the sin, the transgression in the garden, how that it condemned uh, all of mankind. For all have sinned, right, and come short of the glory of God. The problem of sin has been dealt with, and we see that that's been in Christ. Now, what we're going to look at tonight in, in chapter number 6 is that you're, you're going to see where, where the debate, well, not a debate, but where people try to add to salvation. It's, it's grace and faith and that alone. Ephesians 2 and 8 nails that, uh, nails that down. Matter of fact, you'll see tonight there'll be another text that if we're able to look at it, uh, and, and I think I even squared it off in my Bible a little bit earlier, is that when you go back and read through Romans and you start studying this out, you're going to see there should be an inward change inside that person and if there's an inward change, there'll be an outward change. There'll be a reflection of what's inside the heart. The heart is desperately wicked and evil above all things. And the Bible said, who can know it? The problem's in the heart. 
So we're going to look at tonight some very familiar scripture, and uh, we'll read about seven verses, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory uh, of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Here, here's a key. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Father, I thank you for your word tonight, and we thank you that the understanding that we have of it, Father, realizing that concerning the salvation of man, that man would never had a part with it, that, that through sin in the garden, that we realize that, that all had sinned. They were all under the penalty of death. We even see this morning that, that spiritual separation. We see there's a death separation within the body, and the eternal judgment, the second death, where men will be cast into the lake of fire. And it's a fearful thing, the Bible said, to fall into the hands of a living God. But through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we realize that, that you brought salvation to mankind for what man couldn't do, for what the law wasn't designed to do, that through Christ your Son, the people that would believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, that the gospel of good news would invite sinners to be saved. And through the faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word, and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, through repentance of a man's heart, that he's wayward and he's enmity with God. And through that repentance, it'll bring godly sorrow with works for repentance unto salvation. And Father, we pray tonight, if there be anyone here that's unsaved, tonight you'll have to reveal it to them and you'll have to save them. For those of us that are saved, those tonight that know that Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, there are some things that we'll see tonight uh, that should be taking place in our lives. And there are those that have false profession. Then, Father, we pray that tonight the Word will also that reveal those things, that a false profession will not line up nor follow God's Word. And we pray tonight, Father, that through our lives as individuals, the lives that we live, the things that we think about, the things that's deep inside of our heart. Father, we pray tonight that it should be in line with your word, should be in the process. We pray the prayer of faith, and all those that are here tonight said, Amen, Amen. Have you a seat. Um, so this is, this is one of, I have many favorite chapters. This is one of my favorite chapters. Um, chapter 7 is almost as favorable to me because... Uh, it really shows me the reality of the struggles that mankind has and deliverance that was in Christ. Um, now we're building up to the section here that uh, this is where that there, was some, there was some early opposition inside the church from Acts chapter number 1 and Acts chapter 2 from Pentecost taking place. You can go on down and, and you know, we, we realize that that everything, the finished work of Christ, and then again, we, uh, we're going to celebrate resurrection uh, here before long, and we're going to be able to celebrate uh, that He is alive, He is risen again. And uh, we're going to talk about tonight, though, things that the early church struggled with and things that people were trying to bring back into the fellowship. There'll always be people that want to add to what God has already said. And let me just say, what God has said is enough. 
that it doesn't need to be added to. It's sort of like in Revelation. If any man adds, adds to or takes away from the prophets, this book, his name shall be removed. And, and God's the final authority, right? With God being the final authority, then, then we can look within the text and, and we can see here is that man will live by faith and faith alone. The just shall live by faith, right? Faith in what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. There's not another message. There's not a new message. There's, there's not anything that you can add to it. Is that the Lord will reveal to you that you're lost, and He'll also be the one that saves you. None of us have anything to offer the Lord. There's no works of 2 and 9 of Ephesians, or we would boast about it. We would brag about it. If there's something we would, that we could do that would make God look at us in a way that would say, boy, there's a good one right there. I believe I'll save that one. But the reality is when God sees mankind, He sees them under Adam's transgression. That's what we talked about this morning. That from Adam to Moses, they were all under the penalty of sin and of death. And the law came, not designed to save the man, to expose even more the sinfulness of mankind, showing them that they can't keep a law, they can't follow His commandments, they can't do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Your dependency totally has to be upon what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. It's not faith plus, it's faith alone. And with that being said, a person can be saved. In the early church, you're going to see, there were people that were trying to add to the simplicity of the message of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 15, if you want to write this down, Acts chapter number 15, some very familiar scripture. And in Acts chapter number 15, <clears throat> this is where that when the church was uh, starting and, you know, the Gentiles had been grafted in, they had been saved the same way that the Jews had been saved. You're going to see here that some men had come down and they basically said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, look, ye cannot be saved. And when therefore Paul and Barnabas and, and, and had no small dissension and, and basically what this is talking about, they disputed with these guys that there's nothing added to it, that circumcision has nothing to do with the salvation of man. This is how that even in the early fellowship you'll see they tried to come in and try to get people, the Judaizers, to go back and keep Mosaic law, rabbinic teachings, and all of sort. And if you do those things, then you're saved. What I love about this is that you, you're going to see here how that when the Gentiles were grafted in, you know, like in Acts chapter number 10, from whenever the Jews were saved in Acts chapter number 2, identically the same way, first set of Jews, first set of Gentiles, and now all of a sudden, when they're sharing this great news to people that's being grafted in, now you've got those religious folks coming down and saying, nope, they can't be saved because they've not even been circumcised. Well, the Bible says that circumcision is that not of the flesh. Circumcision is of the heart. And if the heart's not changed, the flesh won't matter. You can dress it up. You can comb it back. You can put a nice suit on it. But that has nothing to do with the salvation of mankind. It's a deception. It's self-glory. It's self-gloating. But when you put your faith in what Christ has done and realize that you're apart from Him, you're a candidate for the salvation and the free gift that only God can give. Now, one of the things that I want to make mention here is that well, now you've got a problem within the fellowship because now you've got people that's put their faith in Christ 
that didn't even feel worthy to hear the message, and now you've got the Jews that felt they were worthy, and now you've got a conflict because Christ had broken down the middle wall partition. That veil that rent allowed every man, woman, boy, girl to approach God and call upon His name through Jesus Christ. And because of that, now Paul's going to have to deal with this in the early church. Matter of fact, if you look here, if you look in like verse number 9, I want you to look at what he says. And putting no difference between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. And that settled the deal. God purified the Gentiles' hearts by faith the same way that he did the Jews. Matter of fact, verse number 11 is one that I put a big square around in my Bible because, listen, if this is how they nailed it down in the early church, then why is every other church trying to change it now in the year 2021? If it was settled back then when the Jew and Gentiles were brought together, then quit trying to mess it up right now because Here's what he said in verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Salvation is by grace and it's by faith and that alone. It was proved through Abraham the same way it is to those of us of the year 2021. So whenever that we start looking at this tonight in Romans chapter number 6, I mean, whether that you join a fellowship and a lot of people say, well, what do I got to do to be part of the church? Well, there's a lot of churches that has a lot of rules and there's a lot of, we've got a covenant that we want you to read. We've got, we've got bylaws and we've got a lot of things in this fellowship that's based on scripture. But let me just say this, regardless of what you say, that if you've never put your faith in Christ, you'll never understand what it means to be a member of God's church. If you're wanting to be a member of this building, there's probably a lot of people that's got their names a lot of church roles that don't know anything about the kingdom of God. They think the kingdom is here. They think that their worship is here. They think their righteousness is here. And what's going to happen is they're going to fall short of the grace of God. And the Bible said they're going to hear some words one day, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew who you were. Because the heart was never changed. What they tried to conform to was the outside. He's not interested in the outside. He's not interested in what you look like before salvation. What he's interested in is the dirtiness of your heart, and he's got the remedy to clean that, and that through what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Do you believe that tonight? Now, when we start thinking about, I mean, the regulation, I'm talking about if you don't do this, if you do this. I mean, ceremonies, you know, inside the fellowship. You realize there's two ordinances inside the church, and those ordinances all churches are supposed to keep. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the other ordinance that we do is that as often as you do this, the Bible said, do this in remembrance of me, and we keep the Lord's Supper as often as you do this. Two ordinances that the Lord give to the church, but aren't you glad that the rest of it, the Holy Spirit equips us to carry out the work of God, that it's not man-made ceremonial rituals and followings, it's what God does in the heart of the believer, and you won't tell them to have to serve. Listen, they'll want to serve because there's a servant's heart inside of them. Why? Because they're no longer a slave to the old master. They're not the servant of the master any longer. The Bible said, listen, you can't serve both. You'll either hate one and you'll love the other, and that's why it 
takes a supernatural change by a supernatural God in an old, condemned, unconverted hatred against God, heart that's enmity, that's wayward, that can't even understand the Word of God, but it'll take the preaching of the cross and it'll take the witness of the Holy Spirit for a man to realize that he's apart from God. And when you know that you're lost, surely to goodness, you can be found. Another thing the early church was facing was that when you have unsaved false believers, what happens is they began to misuse the gospel and they tried to justify, use the gospel as a way of misusing it to justification for sin. You say, how do you know that to be true? Well, let me tell you, and I'm going to throw it out quickly. There are things that God is completely against. I mean, fornication, right? Adultery. I mean, homosexuality. I mean, there's a list of it. It goes on and on and on. Do you know that there are places that you can go and there'll be a minister get up behind a pulpit? I mean, he'll almost maybe look like me and he'll he'll have a Bible or she'll have a Bible. I mean, there's a lot of things that are out there. And here's what they do is that there are things in the Bible they will not teach. There are things in the Bible that they will not speak of. And what they do is that they misuse the Word of God to make people feel like that they are justified before God. And I want you to know that idolatry in feminism, that homosexuals, that thieves and drunkards. And I mean, you go down to the liars and the backbiters and those that steal, those that kill. I mean, even those that have false gods before them. All of these things that the Bible gives us a description of, they just, they speak it away or they don't speak it at all. And see, the problem really is not as much as what they're saying at times, it's what they're not saying. It's what they're not sharing of what thus saith the Lord God. I grant you, they're not going to get in the book of Leviticus and they're not going to get over here in the teachings that Paul told Timothy to go and teach the church about. Matter of fact, even when you read in the early church, there were things that the Gentiles, that they were used to doing because of their backdrop of their sinful lifestyle. And he said, there's some things that we've got to establish. But you know what I love mostly about this? What I love mostly about this when you get into the book of Acts there, listen, and this right here is just another one of those things that nails it down. I want you to look right here. Verse number 10, uh, if you will, grab me 15 and 10. Look what he says. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? And you know what he's saying? Don't you put rituals? Don't you put ceremonies? Don't you tell them they've got to be circumcised? Do not add things that you you couldn't bear and your fathers couldn't bear. You tell them what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary and if he changes their heart, they won't want to live like they lived anyway. They won't want to go back and, and listen, drink blood and eat things that were offered unto idols. They won't want to go back and go back into fornication and adultery. They don't want to go back and go into the other lifestyles that people live because I want you to know that when the heart is made right, the heart will want to live right. It'll want to serve God and line up with his word. Listen, I grant you if you ever stole, you'll not want to steal any longer. If you've ever cheated, you'll want to stop cheating. If you've ever lied, you'll want to stop lying. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. You say, how can you do that? Through the power of Christ that lives inside of the believer's heart. And tonight, that's what we're going to look at. There's some things that should take place. Now, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it is one of those sections you've sort of got to put together. And again, let me read them. What shall we say then? He's proposing to them... Shall we continue in sin? The Bible says that grace may abound. When you look at these next words where it says, God forbid. Matter of fact, when you look this up, it's got a 1096 Greek meaning. And I want you to look at what that says. 
May it never be, may it never come into existence or come to pass or even arise. Do you see what he's talking about? These are, it's the most repudiant thing you'll ever find in the Bible as far as when it says, God forbid, it shouldn't be a mindset that you have that you can just willfully just go and sin and live the lifestyle that you want to live and say, you know what, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Do you know that's a wrong mindset, literally, of what the Bible is saying? There should be something inside of you that listen that that does not have a desire there should be something inside of you that draws you of being holy there matter of fact greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world i'm not saying that we won't sin and matter of fact i'm not even saying that people may not go and try to practice an old sin that they want to commit but i will tell you this you won't be able to enjoy it like you used to enjoy it you won't be able to indulge in it the way you used to indulge it won't become your god it won't become listen the main part of your life you know why There'll be a sickness in your stomach. There'll be a place in your heart that, listen, you know that you have broken the laws of God. Listen, if the law condemned him and a man couldn't keep the law, but yet the righteousness of the law is fulfilled inside of us, inside the heart, that who walks not after the flesh, but after the spirit, do you know that the law will condemn the heart before you ever commit the sin? And when you don't commit the sin, do you know that that righteousness had been filled not because you have the ability to not do it. It's because of Christ living inside of you. And the power of Christ living inside of you will help you, enable you from not sinning against God. Do you believe that tonight? John says, if any man say he doesn't sin, he's a liar. And the truth ain't in him. Do you know tonight that, listen, I I struggle with sin. Listen, I'm not saying that proudly. I'm saying that shamefully. There are things with, listen, I'm not talking about bodily wise. I'm not talking about physical wise. But I want you to know there are times that whether it's anger, there are times that whether there are things that comes up in mind, and every once in a while I will blow it. You may never see it, and you may never know it, but I want you to know I still know the curse of that first man, Adam, because I know what it's like to be lost. But thank God. God, that last Adam done something inside of my heart that makes me want to live different. And see, this, this ideology that people have, how shall we that are dead to sin, how shall we live any longer therein? Let me, let me throw one at you right here. I, I want to talk about backbiting just for a little bit. And the only reason why is because most of the time that's something that goes on and you never know that it's happening until you hear about it. And listen, but when you hear about it, you sort of see the person and, and you may hear the subject but do you know over a little space of time that'll go away and you won't hear about it anymore but my friends it's not what they do in the church it's what they do in the body it's what they do every day of their life it's what they do at home it's what they do when they're around their spouse it's what they do and see when a person has a backbiting heart listen it don't matter who it is listen it don't matter how clean a person tries to live it don't matter if they're trying to live for the Lord when you've got somebody that's sin and they're a slave to sin and listen it's their master listen they don't understand they don't know how to be delivered from it until God delivers them from that and they'll back by and they'll back by and here's the thing about it you may see it one time and you may not see it again but my friends listen if it's a way of life and that's all they've ever done and they're still doing it and listen they make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ I want to say somebody's lying somebody's not 
telling the truth. And I want you to say, let God be true and let every man be a liar. There's no way that God would allow someone to continue backbiting the rest of their days and then say that I'm also a child of the living God. I grant you that somewhere down the road there'll be some chastening that'll come their way to draw them into holy living and talking right. And the Bible said you need to treat them good, especially those of the household of faith. The Bible said that you'll know my disciples by how that you love one another. And I know that's maybe a little trivial and that might be a little thing, but I grant you inside fellowships today, it's one of the things that's killing them. It's one that's, listen, the pews are empty because of all the sin that's inside the fellowship. But my listen, I'm praying that, listen, that men will start preaching the unadulterated Word of God and, listen, preach the Word inside where people are so that dead men shall live. I'm talking about when God could really rock somebody's heart and they would come and confess to the Lord and the change in the life will be a resemblance of the change in inside of the heart. Listen, if these things that you practice inside the home, if you can watch all these shows on television about gayism and all these other things and you can uh, watch all these things about uh, living together and sleeping together and you can mock of that stuff, uh, you better be careful because you might go all of your days of your life and watching that stuff and condoning that stuff and find yourself coming short of the grace of God. You say, why? Because it's what's inside your heart and what's inside your heart is what's going to come through your mouth and it's what's going to come through your life. The Bible said it's not what comes out but it's what comes in that defiles the man and if the heart is defiled before God, he'll not enter into the kingdom of God. Do you believe that tonight? Listen, let's look at some things tonight. This is good. What I love about this is that, you know, we, we look at how complicated that the world has made it. And I want you to know the Scriptures has made it clear concerning the salvation of man that, listen, uh, the only way that a man can live a consecrated life is to have the power of God working through his heart. And if it's not in the heart, it'll never reach the lie. Jude 1 and 4 says this, and I want to read this text in, in the book of Jude. It says, For then there are, there are certain men that crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying, look, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like they come down from Jerusalem, that's what he's talking about. Salvation, listen, it is 100% settled in the finished work of Christ through the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary and through his three days and three nights, his resurrection and ascending into heaven, but even greater than is the promise that he sent from the Father in his name that listen he would reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and through the gospel that we have to the, in, in the year 2021 we've got the canon we've got the 66 books of the Bible that listen that God has confirmed and through the Holy Spirit upon the old men of old writing down the Old Testament and then having the men that, that were witness to Lord Jesus' life and writing about his life and Paul that listen was one of those that was grafted in out of born out of due time and now we see the mystery of the church the Jew and the Gentile and now we've got the revelator at the end at the end of the first century writing the end of the book and to God be the glory in the year 2021 uh, that we can go all the way back and say in the beginning in the beginning was the word and the word was with God in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and we can go all the way into the end uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ, when he gave out that great call, oh, he that is a thirst, let him come. Let him come and take of the water of life freely. But my friends, what I want 
you to know, I listen, that God's grace is more than sufficient. God's grace is His unmerited favor towards a sinner. And that's every one of us in this room tonight. It's everyone that's on the globe of this planet. And my friends, they've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the grace of God, the Bible said, had appeared unto all men. You say, what was that? When His darling Son was born. Uh, my friends, the perfect picture. And I'm talking about the fullness of the Godhead. In Him a body was Christ. And He said it, the Bible said that He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But the Bible said He took upon Himself the form of a servant. And my friends, even lowered Himself lower than the angels for the suffering of death for you and I here tonight. Do you agree with that tonight? Alright, let's look at some things. Look here. Let's talk about where our freedom from sin's power comes. Look in verse number 3. What we're going to do right here is we're going to look at each one of these verses and we're going to pull some things out with some reference text that will really just sort of, sort of help you because here, here's what a lot of people struggle with is a lot of times when they might be a profession of faith and, and again, it, it, it's a maturing process. Sanctification is a process of becoming holy, right? Be ye holy for I am holy. It, we know as a child, right? And when I was a child, I spake as a child, but when I got older, I put away. It's, it's a process of growth is what he's talking about. And what we're going to see right here is that this is what Christ has done on our behalf, right? By, by taking the sins of the whole world, taking upon himself. And now what we're going to look at is we're going to go through the picture here of Christ on the cross and his death. And we're going to, there's going to be words like baptism. There's going to be words like buried. There's going to be words like planted, united. There's words in here that relates. It, it, it connects us. Do you see what I'm talking about? Not in what you have done, because none of these scriptures will point you to anything that a man has done. It's faith and faith alone. Faith in the finished work of Christ. But when we look at these, what I want you to see here is that like in verse number 3. One of the things as we start studying... And this it says, so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. And when you look at this, I underlined in my Bible into in both places because this is what I know. He was sinless. There was no sin. There was no reason he should die for anything that he had never done. But he took on your sins and my sins, right? And he took that up on the cross of Calvary. So, so think about this. You and I carry the sin. You and I carry the guilt. You and I are the ones that actually put him on the cross. And what the Bible is saying right here, matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter number 9, verses 14 through 17 is one of those reference texts that you can go to. And when you go over to Hebrews 9, 14 through 17, let me read to you just a little bit of what it says. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, look, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Let me just say this. Anywhere you find a text that deals with, with the conscience being purged or the soul being saved, it's just not that and setting. It's that and serving. It's that and obeying. Obedience is better than sacrifice, right? There's always an evidence that will come through your life of what you say is inside of your heart. If you say it and it don't line up, line up somebody's lying. But if you say it and there's an evidence, then you can say, you know what? That's probably true. They're in the process. We are all a marred version, right? None of us have reached a mark. None of us are sinless. We can't preach sinless 
perfection, but we can preach sinless perfection in one, and that's in Christ. That's what we're talking about right here and what he says right here. And for this cause, he's the mediator. I mean, but here's the part I want you to look at. For where a will is, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Now, salvation, eternal security, right? The Holy Spirit of God. Everything that was promised of what would take place when Pentecost happened is that the will was, in order to receive the gift, he would have to raise again the third day. Forty days later, he ascended up to the Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit was sent. Now, here's the great part about it. Is now the inheritance, right? The promise of people being saved is that we see right here, unless Christ If he had not died, then you know what? The will would have been no good. And you see what that's talking about. But if you and I write a will, I have a will for my children, and if I, listen, I have to die. I've got to be dead before they can receive that inheritance. And what it's saying right here is just basically saying, for a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. And that means you cannot collect. What I love about this is that, listen that whenever a sinner begins to repent and put their faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, they will instantly collect the gift of God. They can be forgiven of their sins, saved now to the uttermost, sealed into the day of redemption. It's the finished work of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. It had nothing to do to you but all with God. And because of that, it, it, it points you all back to the cross. And what he's saying right here, he said, you are baptized into his death. Why? Because he wrote the will and he died and he's alive. And guess what? The will is good. The will is eternal life. How do you know that? Because he is alive. And if he's alive, then we're alive, just like we covered this morning. And then he moves on and he said, here's another thing. There will also be a difference in the walk. The next part says that even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, one of the reference texts it'll run you over to is Galatians 6 and 15. For as for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth nor in circumcision, but a new creature. And here's what he's saying. It's not in the outward things that you do. It's not in the religious things that you keep. It's not in the ceremonial things that you obey. But listen, you are a new creature because you have put your faith in Christ and it's inside the heart. Not in the flesh, it's in the heart. You're a new man in the heart, not a new man in the flesh. Listen, I wish he changed the outside, right? And maybe be who I wanted to be. But I just want you to know that, listen, this is the cards I got dealt with and you deal with it. Amen? I mean, I mean, ain't none of us look really good, right? I mean, but think about this, is that we're dying. We've got imperfections. We've got things that used to be up here and now they're down here. I mean, you know, we can go through the whole list, right? There's aches and pains. I mean, you think about it, uh, but the more you... Uh, let me just say, that there's a part of the mind and there's a part of my conscience that, that gets squirrely every once in a while. Uh, I'll throw Richard under the bus. He was telling us that he was sharing a dream that he had last night. And, and listen, it's nothing he did physically. It's nothing that he'd been a part of. But I mean, it was a little... He's seen some spaceships, and you can ask him about it after the service. But you know what? Isn't that odd that you'd have something like that come up in your sleep or, or maybe do things that you've never done, be played? 
places you've never been, be around people and see their faces that you've never seen. I mean, it's, it's crazy, ain't it, with the mind. And, and you know, when I see that, you know, that's the depravity of man. It's the part of me that, listen, that I, that I don't desire to have. And I'm glad that, listen, that he has changed. Listen, the Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you realize the law that's in my mind that wants to serve Christ? It's not what the church says. It's what the Bible says. And those are the laws that we hide inside of our heart that keeps us from sinning against God. There should be a change in the wall. Because when you start looking at what he's talking about, I mean, think about it. Is that when, when you go around and you tell people, say, you know what, I'm saved and I have given my life to Jesus Christ. If, if three weeks later you're like you were before, something's wrong with that picture. Listen, you remember the church, he said, you, you've left your first love. They had become very lackadaisically, if that's a word, it just come out. But I'm just saying, they, they, they were like robots going through the motions. And, and they, had, they had lost sight of what it was like of putting their faith in Christ and being a new creature in Christ. Let me say, new Christian or for the person that has, that's just recently been saved, I pray that God puts people around you that will put fuel on your fire and not water. I pray that God will put you around people that will want to help your faith and not hurt your faith. Listen, the Bible said when the Lord pulled them little ones up beside him, he said, listen, you offend one of these little ones, I'm going to tell you how serious I am. I'd rather you have a millstone be hung around your neck and cast into the depths of sea than you to offend one of these little ones. You talking about a serious thing? Self-righteous folks inside the fellowship thinking they've got a right to speak for God. They ought to keep their mouth shut. The Bible said, by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. My friends, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to begin to speak. The tongue is like a forest fire. When it set fire, listen, it'll burn a chapter down. It'll burn the world down. And listen, hear what he says. It cannot be tamed. A small rudder leads a large ship. But my friends, I grant you, you let the Holy Spirit of God get inside of you and make you a new creature. You'll have a new hatred for things you used to love. And you'll want to live different for the Lord. Amen. Amen. You should walk in the newness of life. Let me, let me make a statement. Them old friends are not your same friends. You can't be around... I'm not talking about witnessing. You realize, the Bible said, if a man's overtaken in a fault, you are spiritual. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. But he said, but I also want you to know, you need to watch yourself unless you are also tempted. Until you're strong enough, right? Until you're equipped... Be careful who you're around. With the best intentions, there's been many a fall thinking they could handle it. But on the wrong day and a bad time and the wrong setting, many people have sinned against the Lord. Let me tell you this. When a Christian sins, it seems like it's a hard... I mean, it just seems like it's so detrimental because these are the thoughts as humans we have. I can't be where I was. My worship ain't like it used to be. God will never accept me back. The devil says he don't love you, right? Then you got the ugly folk in the church that says you ain't worth it anywhere. You know where I'm going with this? But boy, when you get down in the still of the night 
And you remember the man of God said, I just won't make mention of you anymore. He said, there's something inside of me that began churning. I'm glad that golly sorrow, listen, we'll work on a man. It'll provoke a man. It'll deal with a man. The bed will get short. You will have to repent to make it right with Father. I'm glad it's that way because without it, if you continue, you are not none of His. You do not belong. The Spirit of Christ does not live inside of you. If that conviction is not there enough to make you want to change and follow it out throughout your life, because, listen, I want you to know, if you look like a hog, it returns down to the, to the swallow. If you look like the dog, it'll return down to the vomit. It'll be the life that comes from inside the heart. But I want you to know, when you get saved, it'll be like in the early church, that they began to gather together in daily fellowship, in the breaking of bread, in the prayers. Listen, they, you couldn't help but say they wanted to be together. Why? Because they belonged to a new master. They belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you another, verse number 5. This is what I love. We shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Now, Philippians 3 and 10, reference text. Look what it says. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable. Let, let me share this with you. When I, when I look at this, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Now, I want you to think about this. His resurrection my sins on His cross, baptized and buried into His death. But look, that I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, the power of His resurrection brings new life to you and I. And then also it reminds us that the one who was worthy and the one who was sinless and the one who should not die we look at his death and we see that that through the ripping of his flesh the penalty of you and I it breaks our hearts to know that the Lord had to do that for us on our behalf but on the other side it makes us thankful and appreciative and saying Lord when I read about what happened to you when I read about your death it makes grace so much more beautiful to me it makes me thankful for the forgiveness that only you can have and this power of your resurrection that listen death and hell couldn't keep him down matter of fact listen when he came out of there he said I've even got the keys of that place below and here's what he's saying there'll be a new life inside of you there'll be a power of his resurrection living inside of you and listen that's what makes you live a new life if you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling you you cannot live for the Lord you cannot live a consecrated life. Consecrated means set apart. Set apart, Ephesians says, for the edifying of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Do you see that? All right. Verse number 6, another one. This one and one more and we're going to end. That the body of sin might be destroyed. In, in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter number 2. I want to read some verses right here, and I'd like you to listen. 2 and 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. That, that word complete means filled, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also, look, 
you're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in them. Do you know how you can that you can triumph over sin? Through the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says all things are for Him and not anything made that was made. We live and move and have our very being through who? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Last one. Look in verse 7. This is what I love. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Your reference text, 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise, look, with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. But he hadn't sinned. Do you see that? He was on the cross sinless. And he was raised sinless. You and I, sinners, unless you go by the cross, you'll never understand what this is talking about. Next verse. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, to the person, but... To the will of God. You see what that's talking about? If there has been a change inside of your heart, the Bible says, What's the will of God? It, this is the will of God, even your sanctification of being set apart, right? But he says, To the will of God. People come up and they say, I'm having a hard Listen, we all have a hard time, but I want you to know. Being delivered from the penalty of sin, that a person would die without Christ, those, those three characteristics we talked about this morning, that spiritual death, that bodily death, that eternal death. Whenever you look at this, and listen, I have been, I am dead to that penalty and sin that kept me there because I was born under the first Adam's transgression. The last Adam has set me free not only from the penalty, but now I can live out the consecrated life. And even when I mess up, he says that I can confess my sins. He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. How can he keep doing that? My sins that condemned me were paid for on the cross. The blood of Christ was the atonement and it's completely past, present, and future. But in my life of being sanctified and consecrated to the will of God, I'm going to mess up because my body wants to do wrong things and my mind says do right things. And what happens is if my body wins and I give over to the flesh, my flesh profiteth nothing. My flesh cannot please God, but the Holy Spirit convicts my heart that's made holy and pure and cannot sin. And it says, you need to be holy. You need to repent and line up with God's will. 
word and live a holy life. And listen, the more you know, the bigger the battle gets inside of you because we realize how far, how much we fall short, but realize again what he's already done inside of us. The power is not of us. The power is from God. That's why I keep coming to church and that's why I keep serving him. And that's why I keep repenting. A sanctified life is a life where you keep repenting, right? To be more like Him. I'm glad it's not one and done, guys. I'm glad it's not certain ones and you're out. He took the penalty for all of our sins. Now, Brother Ty, as you get ready, I want to share some things with you as he's coming up. and We're going to have an invitation. We're going to have a baptism here in just a minute. There's a lot of things that when we talk about living a holy life that we have come accustomed to in our society. A lot of times we've been insensitive about the things of God. And let me just say, anything that you want to see, you can sit in your home and watch it. Anything you want to hear, you can go to your job and you can hear it. And here's the thing about it. There are things that God is against. If you allow those things into your life, it'll be hard to live a sanctified life, right? And to grow in sanctification if there are things that you're not willing to deal with. That'll keep a person like a babe in Christ, like a Corinthian church. They had some issues going on. They couldn't take the meat of it. Why? Because they were stumbling over the smaller things. So what I'd like to say to you tonight is this. If you're saved and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, the Bible said if you'll submit yourself therefore unto God and resist the devil, he will flee from you in the name of Jesus Christ. These dudes that are saying they're fighting the devil and doing all this other stuff, it's hogwash. Because there ain't a person under that first Adam that's ever been able to fight the devil and get him off their back. But that last Adam, <laughs> in the name of Jesus. And let me just say this, them name it, proclaim it, guys. No, submit yourself to God. God, forgive me for I have sinned. God, forgive me that I thought that I could do this on my own. Forgive me that I thought that I could pray this way. The disciples go to cast out and they can't do it. They come back to the Lord and they're all tore up and they said, Lord, we just couldn't cast him out. And he said, it's because, listen, you can't do it easy all the time. This would take, listen, it would take where you'd have to, you'd have to set yourself aside, right? And you have to do a little bit of fasting and a little bit more praying because, listen, it's not going to be easy, guys. It's not easy. But the finished work is done. The hard part is submitting. But I grant you, if you will submit yourself to God in whatever trial or transition that you are in, God will faithfully deliver you through that. Let me, let me say one more thing. The reason there's so much diversity right now on identity is because... Everyone wants to be who they want to be. Well, the Bible has declared it all. They're sinners. Regardless of what sin that people commit, regardless of what they've been involved in, is I want you, you can be made whole 100% in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No questions after that point. Why? He is our peace, He is our Savior, He is our Lord. 
He is our salvation. And my friends, you'll want to be like Him, not like the world. The problem is, is that the world is feeding us these lies about this is satisfaction, this is your glorification, this is who you can be. And God's done declared. They're all hell-bound in their need of a Savior. And unless they repent, they'll not be saved. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I know the one who overcame them all. The Bible says that he was tempted in all manners. We are yet with he without sin. So if you'll put your faith in Christ, it's a hard road sometimes. It feels like you're holding on. I know that. I know what that's like. But remember, he said, no man can pluck you out of my hand. My Father who's greater than I, no man can pluck you out of his hand. You are kept by him. Put your faith in Him and trust in Him. Let's stand to our feet.